You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Welcome to Siena Campus, Cypress Campus, downtown, television audience, those digital family as well, and radio ministry. It's amazing that the gospel is going out to so many different places in our city, in our world today, which is so great, so wonderful. Easter is a wonderful time. It's a sweet time. The sweetness of the cross, the sweetness of the resurrection leads to the sweetness of those cute Easter clothes on those kids, which is awesome, and the sweetness of Easter candy. How many of y'all love some Easter candy in the room? I bet a bunch. The kids are raising their hands for sure. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a little game together to make sure we're participatory and everybody's paying attention and everybody's with me because here's my theory on Easter candy. There's some Easter candy that is yes, and there's some Easter candy that it's like, I'm not so sure. And so I want you to just, we're going to rate it together. So here's what we're going to do together. Everybody get ready. Get your right hand with a fist. We're going to say it together on the count of three. We're going to say yes. Here we go. Yes. Some of y'all aren't doing it. I see y'all back there. I can see you. If you can see me, I can see you. You know, that's how it works here. So here we go. One, two, three. Yes. All right. One more time. One, two, three. Yes. And then we're going to do, we're going to shake our head and we're going to say, I'm not so sure. You ready? One, two, three. I'm not so sure. One more time. I'm not so sure. So let me start out, see what we get here. Reese's peanut butter cup eggs. Yes. I'm going with a big yes on that. That's going to be a good one. That's a yes. Now this one, peeps are easy targets. Hot tamale flavored peeps. Not so sure. Not so sure. Any yeses in the house on these? Not maybe one right there. Okay. You're crazy. I'm glad you're here in church. That's good. Not so sure on that one there. Let's go with this one here. I think uh, you're going to, this is pretty, pretty easy. The Lind Chocolate Bunny Dark Chocolate from Germany. Yes, that's a yes right there for sure. That's a good one. This is, I'll let you decide, the Fruity Pebbles Cereal and Candy. I'm not sure if it's white chocolate or if it's a cookie, And I read the back ingredients, and you'd have to be a chemist to figure out what this is. So what are you going to give this one? How many got a yes for this one? Anybody yes? Couple kids with a yes. I see you. All right, crazy man. I see you there. I'm going to go with I'm not so sure about this one here. Now this one, a couple left here. Robin eggs, my personal favorite. Yes, on Robin eggs, for sure on Robin eggs. And then we have here our final one. I love Easter grass and Easter baskets, but do you like edible Easter grass? I'm not so sure. How about blue, Kentucky bluegrass, Easter grass? I'm double not so sure about that. Now, there is the yeses of Christmas candy, and then there's the not-so-sures of Christmas candy, of Easter candy. Sorry, jumped holidays on you there. Easter candy, there's the not-so-sure, and there's the yeses. Well, you know what the truth is? We're going to look in John chapter 20, and there's some disciples that are yes on the resurrection. And there's one named Thomas that says, I'm not so sure about this. And so I don't know if you're in this room or you're watching online or on TV or whatever, if you're yes on the resurrection or if you're like, I'm not so sure about this. I mean, a guy rose again from the grave. 
and now he's still alive today and wants to have a relationship with me? I'm not so sure about that. We're going to look at this guy named Doubting Thomas is what we've called him. Now, Doubting Thomas is not all that bad. He's a great guy. He's one of the disciples. It actually means in Greek, the word skeptic in Greek is skeptikos. And skeptikos means this. It means that you are thoughtful or inquiring. Thoughtful or inquiring, that's not a bad deal. We should be thoughtful, we should be inquiring. So we're going to look in just a moment in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 24, but let me give you a little pre-notion here, uh, uh, a little what happened before. It's Easter Sunday night. The resurrected Jesus has walked in through a locked door and he said to the disciples that were gathered, here's my hands, here's my side. And they go, wow, he is risen. And Thomas wasn't there and didn't believe. Now, Thomas, we'll see in just a second, is a twin, but we don't know who his twin brother was. One commentator put it like this. I thought this was pretty wise. He said, the reason we don't know who Thomas's twin was is because we are Thomas's twin. We have our doubts. We have our concerns. We have our needs to investigate these claims of God and of Jesus. Can we really trust him? Look in verse 24 of John chapter 20. It's Easter night, verse 24. But Thomas called twin, one of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, in the Greek it means to keep on telling him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, if I do not see the marks of the nails in his hands, and I don't put my finger into the marks of the nails, and I don't put my hand into his side, I will never believe. I will never believe. So here we have, Jesus has shown up, but Thomas wasn't there. Now, where was Thomas? Is he out getting a hamburger? I mean, what's he doing? He's in Jerusalem getting some falafels? I mean, what's, what's going on here? A little hummus going on? Where's Thomas? Everybody else is locked into the room. Everybody else is Easter night and all together. And Thomas is AWOL. Now, maybe he was off on his own, needing to grieve and process on his own. We don't know. I don't want to throw him under the bus too much. But Thomas wasn't there. And he gets back and they say, Jesus Christ showed up. It's just like the ladies told us. It's just like the other disciples told us. And he says, I will not believe. He wasn't there when Jesus was there. Here's the first point I want to give you. Distance can develop doubt. Distance can develop doubt. I want to encourage you and, and just encourage you, stay close to your Bible the rest of the year. Read this book. Stay close to singing the praises of God. Stay close to Christian music. Be in the fellowship with the saints. Here's what happens. When we develop a distance from the things of God, we begin to doubt God. So Thomas is not there and his distance can develop doubt. So if you don't have a church home, if it's our church, if it's another church, get involved and get connected because as we drift further and further away, we get further and further away from the goal of our life of pleasing God and having a relationship with God. See, when you're looking the wrong direction, you're not gonna see the right thing. When you're looking the wrong direction, there's a lot of things to get our vision off of God. When you're looking the wrong direction, you're not going to see the right thing. Let me show you a picture to illustrate this point of a whale watching tour. 
Well, Mildred, there's no whales on this tour. We got ripped off on this thing. They're all looking the other direction. And there's the whale about to flip their boat, by the way. Here he is the other direction. They're looking one way and there's got the whale the other way. When you're looking the wrong direction, you're not gonna see what you're really looking for, are you? And so what happens is Thomas is not there. He's not in the room. He's not with the people of God. He's not praying with the people of God. He's not waiting on God. He's not there. And that develops doubt. Community of Christ helps. So now let's ask this question of our own hearts. Do we have defiant disbelief or sincere doubt? Do we have defiant disbelief or sincere doubt? See, Thomas had defiant disbelief. He said, I will not believe if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands. Wait, wait, wait. Not that I don't see it. If I don't put my finger into the mark of the nails, if I don't put my hand into his side, I will never believe. In the Greek, this is a double negative. He's doubling down. He's saying with emphatic negation. He is saying, by no means, I will certainly not. You could put it like this. I will positively not believe. In 1887, a man preached a sermon called Dealing with Doubt. He said this, doubt is I can't believe. I'm struggling with this belief. Unbelief is I won't believe. And Thomas is turning his back and saying, there's no whales in the ocean. There's no whales in the ocean. Unless I put my hand in the blowhole of the whale, I'm not believing that there's a whale in the ocean. And we'll see that Jesus is like, there's no problem because here's the great news. The good news is God can break through either of those. He can break through defiant disbelief and God can break through sincere doubt, either one. Because when Christ shows up, all of those things take care of themselves. Now, sincere disbelief can be a wonderful thing. A lot of really strong believers have come out of defiant disbelief or sincere uh, doubt because they've had to really research and really dig deep so that they really believe what they know is true in the scriptures. Now, Thomas, he had sincere doubt. No, he had defiant disbelief. Let me give you four common doubts. I put them in your listening guide for you with verses of scripture so you could research them when you get home. Four common doubts that we have in Christ, of Christ. Number one, is God real? I mean, is God real? Is this, this whole thing just great evolutionary tale? I mean, this all just kind of happened from a big bang? Did a chaotic bang turn into all this order of the sun and the moon and the stars and the sky and the seasons and all of nature and that oxygen's right there by your mouth and that you can see and you can hear and you can touch and you can feel and you can walk. Is all of this just a cosmic accident or is God real? Is he really real? Number two, we ask the question in our doubts, will God provide? Will he provide? Will he provide for our children? in their places of need? Will he provide for our marriages? Will he provide for us in the workplace? Will he provide for us monetarily? Will he provide for us in the peace in our heart? Will God provide for us? Well, the Bible says he can feed 5,000 with just two loaves, uh, five loaves and two fish. He says that if it's time and you need money, he can put a coin in a fish's mouth. Peter, you just go fishing. He can do his provision as he wants to provide. God will provide. I talked to a family this week in our church that they lost a loved one this week on Easter week. Tears streaming down their face as we talked on the phone. And they had great hope in the resurrection that he was in heaven. 
but they had great grief that there was a seat empty at the table. Can God provide for them in that moment? I believe he can, and I believe he will. Can God provide for that, that gentleman that passed away? Yes, he's in heaven right now having the Easter of all Easters. God can provide in your greatest need, your darkest moment, your hardest time. Trust him to provide. Number three, does God forgive me and love me? I mean, we say that so much, so much, but does he really forgive me? I mean, can he forgive that that I did? Can he forgive this? Does he really love me? I just got great news for you. He not only loves you, he likes you. If he died on a cross to forgive you, he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die a gruesome death on the cross and dying that gruesome death, that was because he loves you so much and cares for you so much that he wants to have a relationship with you through the forgiveness of sins by the cross and the resurrection. And four, and finally, is there meaning to life? Is there meaning to life? Is there any purpose to this life? Or is this just a cosmic accident? We just need to be nice to each other till we finally die and we just decompose and become flower food for the rest of our body's days. Or do you realize in your heart there's a fingerprint of God? Even the atheist wants to live with purpose because God has put something in you and me that life means something. And we want it to mean something. And it only means something when you realize the creator in that. I've given you scriptures you can look up later, but those are four common doubts that we as a twin of Thomas, we all hold those in some way, shape, or form at different times. And we've got to work through them and allow our faith to be strengthened in that journey. So how does Thomas, how does God respond to Thomas? Look, if you will, in verse 26, verse 26. A week later, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. Okay, well, that's a victory right there. Thomas is there. Way to go, Thomas. You got your hamburger? You're back in the house. Let's see what's going to happen. I love that God gave him eight days to think about it. Eight days he's been hearing from all his best buddies, Jesus is alive, Jesus is alive. Eight days Jesus has been appearing for different, to different people. A week later, his disciples were indoors again and Thomas was with them. Way to go, Thomas. Even though the doors were locked, second time the doors had been locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, personally speaking to Thomas, put your finger here, look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Here's what's so cool. Easter shows you can't lock Jesus in the tomb and you can't lock him out of the room. You can't lock Jesus in the tomb and you can't lock him out of the room. You can't lock him in. They tried. They had Romans that sealed the tomb. And Jesus said, oh, let's just move that rock, angels, and walk right out of the tomb with the scars on his hands, his feet, his brow, his side, his back being, being flayed by being whipped so many times. And he walked out of the tomb. And then he says like, oh, they got the doors locked. Like, that's a problem for me. And he just comes through the doors. And now he's standing in a locked room Coming from a locked tomb into a locked room, you can't lock him out, you can't lock him in. And when he gets into the room and stands in front of you, then it's time for your and my personal belief. So I just tell you, if you are defiant in your disbelief, there are no whales in the ocean. I will not believe until I can put my hand in the blowhole. Jesus says, that's not a problem. 
You can't lock me out and you can't lock me in. God can move in the craziest of places and even in the hardest of hearts. Do you know that God is moving right now on Easter Sunday in countries that have tried to shut out Christianity? People are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ in places where they have tried to lock it down and get all the Christians out. God is still on the move and moving in an amazing, incredible way. He's going to break some of the hardest hearts in all over the world. On this Easter Sunday, God can't be locked out. He can't be locked in, but he wants us to have a personal decision of trusting Jesus Christ. He can move in the craziest of places. A couple of weeks ago, I went to Israel. It was an amazing trip. We had about a hundred on our trip. And so we went to the Jordan River to baptize people in the Jordan River. Let me tell you what, the Jordan River is cold, real cold super cold, freezing cold, amazing cold. But you know what? It wasn't my first rodeo, so I brought my wetsuit and I had it underneath my rope because I knew what was going to take place and what was going to go on. And that was an awesome thing. And so I was there in the Jordan River and we baptized about 70 people in the Jordan River. And then these pictures are showing, uh, I, I gave a call out of folks to say this, to say, hey, if anybody wants to be baptized, they wasn't planning on it. I want you to come down. And six people came down to be baptized. They weren't in our group and they got there and I was like, I don't think I know you. It seems like I would know you after being on a bus with you for all these times and all this time. So in this place, this bus moment of, of trying to recognize people, I didn't recognize these people. And in this place of not recognizing them, these people, they just heard my voice of me calling out for them to come and to be baptized. And as we stood there in the water, baptism is a serious thing. I said, I don't know you. We haven't gotten to meet. My name's Greg. And I began to talk to them and said, the first thing that needs to happen is you need to receive Jesus Christ in your heart as your Savior. Ask him to forgive your sins. And then baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. And in the waters of baptism of the Jordan River, they already had their robes on. I led two or three of them to Christ standing in the Jordan River. How amazing is that? Can we just give a cheer for that? How incredible a moment that is. So they're standing there in the water. I'm sharing the gospel with them. And they pray and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And we baptize them right now. Now, here's the second miracle. I did it in Spanish. How about that? which is like muy bueno, okay, to be able to do that. So I was like, Lord, every word I've learned since ninth grade, please help me right now. And you know, they don't teach you the spiritual words, you know, in Spanish 101 and 201. So I was like spanglishing the thing to death, but the Lord was on the move. God can move in crazy, amazing places. How awesome is that? You can't lock him in, you can't lock him out. And Easter shows that to be true. So when he shows up, what does he show up with? He shows up with peace and proof. That's what he shows up with. Jesus brings peace and proof. Let me show it to you in the scripture. The doors were locked and Jesus came and stood among them. Verse 26, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger right here. Look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Every question Thomas had, Jesus said, here it is. And I love what he brings. He brings, number one, peace. Do we need peace? 
not just talking about military peace in the world. Sure, we need that. I'm talking about in record numbers of anxiety, of record statistics of depression. We need the peace of God in our lives. We need peace with God in our lives. Do you need peace? I need peace. Doesn't matter how much money you got, you're going to yearn for peace. And Jesus is that peace. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give peace as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. John 16, I've told you these things. Why? So that you may have peace because you will have suffering in this world. Be courageous for I have conquered the world. Romans 15, the apostle Paul, may the God of peace be with all of you, amen. Philippians 4, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter three, and let the peace of Christ, which you're called to one body, that's the church, rule in your hearts and be thankful. 2 Thessalonians last one, chapter three, verse 16. May the Lord of peace himself, that's Jesus, give you peace in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Jesus says for the third time since verse 19, peace be with you. He wants to give you peace. You got troubles, I got troubles. We all got them, just varying degrees. Peace. And for the skeptic that's inquiring and investigative, proof. Here's my hands. Here's my side. Come and look and see. And let me give you seven things. They're all written in your listening guide. You can take them home. Seven proofs of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. First of all, Jesus appeared to over 500 people. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive today, but some have fallen asleep. So he says, look, you can go talk to him. He appeared to him. He is resurrected and he appeared to over 500 people in one sitting. Now, let me tell you what, hallucinations don't happen in groups. It would be more of a miracle if 500 people had the same hallucination than it is that Jesus Christ was right there. And so 500 people, he appeared, he appeared to other folks as well. Number two, the disciples died for this belief. Would they die for a lie? And these disciples, all but two, John died of natural causes. And we know Judas hung himself, so he was not martyred. But everybody else was martyred. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross. Bartholomew was flayed alive with knives. James the elder was the first apostle that was martyred. James the lesser was sawn in two. Jude was killed with arrows. Matthew was martyred in Ethiopia. Peter was crucified upside down on a cross. Philip was hanged. Simon the zealot died a martyr's death. And I'll tell you what happened to Thomas in just a few minutes. The disciples died for this belief. Would they have died like that for a lie? Number three, the Romans were experts at crucifixion. They sealed and guarded the tomb. They knew what they were doing. They had perfected crucifixion. They didn't like, oops, we didn't kill Jesus. Oops, the tomb wasn't sealed enough. They had guards that were stationed there and yet he was resurrected and came out. A large stone was rolled away, a 2,000 pound stone. Do you think the ladies did that when they appeared at the the cross or a couple of disciples did that? 
No, it was done by Roman soldiers and angels rolled the stone away. Number five, and I love this one, the Romans could never produce a body. You produce the body of Jesus and Christianity's over. But his body was resurrected and they couldn't do it. The Old Testament and Jesus himself predicted the resurrection. I've given you verses to look that up later on. And number seven, changed lives of people you know. Changed lives by the resurrection of people you know. And if you don't know anybody with a changed life by the resurrection, you now know me and my life's been changed by the resurrection. You now heard all these folks sing and their life's been changed by the resurrection. I promise you there's somebody in your row probably sitting right next to you even that their life has been changed by the resurrection. You just ask them about it and let them give testimony of what God has done in them. Seven things, I could keep going, I could keep going, but peace and proof is what God has shown. Peace for our hearts, most importantly, not just peace in our hearts, peace with God. Jesus Christ dying on the cross, rising again, gives us peace with God when we place our faith in his grace and receive him as our savior. I'm not talking about you go to church every once in a while. I'm talking about have you received Christ as your savior, assured that you're going to heaven and that you have peace with God. That makes all the difference in the world to have peace with God. So what does Thomas respond with? Here's what he responds, verse 28. Thomas responded, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Here's us. But blessed are those who have not seen, we haven't seen Jesus face to face, and yet believe. There's a blessing that comes with that kind of faith. Thomas responds and says, my Lord and my God. There is a power of presence when Jesus steps into the room past the locked door. Can you imagine Thomas and the disciples seeing Jesus right there, the power of presence, what it did to their hearts to see that? I wanna show you a one minute video clip of two kids that are scanning the room to try to find their parents at a recital. And when they find their parents and they make eye contact with their parents, their whole countenance changes. Everything about them changes. It'll bring a tear to your eye and a smile to your face. And I want you to take that and think about how much more it would be to see the resurrected Jesus Christ in your presence at that moment. Let's watch this together. The power of presence. Isn't that great? What was Thomas's response when Jesus walked in the room? 
I bet it was I'm so sorry I doubted Lord I don't need to touch your hands I don't need to put my hand in your side my Lord and my God you are alive I should have believed it sooner but I give you my life for the rest of my days. And yes, I'm forgiven for my sins, even my defiant disbelief. The power of the presence of God behind a locked door of a locked heart that opens up and says, my Lord and my God. He makes a personal statement that we all have to make. And do you know what Thomas did after that? This is not in the scripture, but it's the historical tradition that Thomas was the first person to bring the gospel to India. The first person to bring the gospel to India. Millions and millions and millions of Christians in India point back to Thomas. He served there for 29 years until a spear or a lance pierced his body and he died. And in 1964, the country of India, not really known as a Christian country, made a stamp of St. Thomas to put on the envelopes because he said, my Lord and my God. And so I come to you today to ask you, as Jesus is in the room with us, have you placed your faith and trust in Christ alone? Not are you a good, good person. Not are you go to church every once in a while. I'm talking about a personal relationship where you've said, my Lord and my God, I need you to forgive my sins. And I repent of my sins and I ask you to wash me clean and to dwell in my heart. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. And if you're already a believer in Christ, then this would be your moment you'd say yes. Thank you, God, for the cross and the empty tomb. And then you will see, oh, there's more than a whale in the ocean. There's a creator God. And he can move in the strangest of ways to say, taste and see that the Lord is good and change your life through the cross and the resurrection. Let's pray. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We ask you, God, in this moment, the power of your presence. Trust you. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and you can just pray right after me, repeating after me. With the whisper of your lips and the sincerity of your heart, this is between you and God. I'm just trying to help you. pray this. Lord, I know that I have sinned and done things wrong. I ask you to forgive my sins and to wash me clean. I repent of my sins and ask you to be my Savior. Assure me of heaven when I die. 
I say to you, just like Thomas, my Lord and my God, and I place all my faith in you alone. I want a relationship with you through Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. If you prayed that, you meant it with your heart, Jesus saved your soul. We'd love to help you. I'll tell you about that in a moment. If you're already a believer in Jesus, would you just say to the Lord, my Lord and my God, I need your help in this certain situation. You just fill in the blank. I need your resurrection power over this. I'm grateful to you, God, that you'll meet me where I am. Father, we love you. We need peace. We need proof at times. We need Jesus. And we thank you that he's alive today. Trust you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.